This is The Culture Code with Kevin Cruz, founder and CEO of LeadX, the platform that helps you scale and sustain a high-performance culture. Hello, everyone. I'm Kevin Cruz. Welcome to Culture Code. Our guest for today is the Chief People Officer of Twilio, Christy Lake. Christy, welcome. And where are you joining us from today? Thank you so much for having me. Uh, Joining you from the peninsula, just south of San Francisco, over the Zoom webs. Yeah, wonderful, wonderful. Now, anybody in the tech industry knows of Twilio. Very well-known, well-respected company, of course. Great success story. In fact, my company, LeadX, we use Twilio. So thank you very much for that. Thanks Um, for being a customer. Yeah, of course. But for our listeners who might not be familiar with Twilio, so who are you guys? What do you do? Tell us about you. So I would say there's two parts of the business. One, which is sort of Twilio Classic, is a communications platform that enables developers and companies to directly communicate with their customers. And the example that I like to give that's very user-friendly and relatable is like, perhaps if you're signing into a bank account and they're sending you a text message to authenticate that it's you, that's probably coming through Twilio to get to you. Or if you've ordered an Uber or a DoorDash or whatever, and you're getting that text message that your driver is approaching, that's coming through the Twilio kind of communications platform. The other part of the business is really a customer engagement platform. And this is a CEP that houses lots of really cool customer data and allows brands and companies to more accurately engage with their customers. And we're super excited, obviously, in this year of all things AI, we've launched some really cool new products and have a lot of stuff ahead that we're calling customer AI that leverages that engagement platform to just create a really cool flywheel for customers, our customers and their customers to stay closer. Yeah, it sounds great. And so a lot of exciting stuff. Where are you guys located? Where's your headquarters? How how big is the company? Oh, well, this is an interesting question. So we are headquartered in San Francisco, but we are a remote first employer. And so we are located all over the place. We've got about 6,000 people globally, kind of heavily US anchored, but further afield, EMEA and APJ as well. And so we're highly distributed. Yeah. And so this this is going to be fascinating because obviously, you know, fast growing, successful company, been through a lot like all of us. It has embraced the remote first workplace, lots of challenges to scaling and maintaining great culture. But let's just start by what kind of culture do you have? Like, how would you describe it to an outsider? If you were to constrain me to a few words, I would describe us as being a company full of humble, customer focused builders that builder ethos really permeates the culture, which is cool for a startup, but we're definitely a startup at scale. We're 15 years out at this point. And so we've still maintained that founder-led. It's a very lovely culture. So that obviously humble, you know, builder culture, customer-focused, that doesn't happen by accident. Or even if it happened by accident, you don't maintain that with employees 6,000 by accident. So what are you doing to teach those values? How do you foster this culture, especially in a remote first environment? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, when I started here some three and a half years ago, it was sort of the beginning of the pandemic, we were about 3,300 employees. And so we have grown a ton 
in this virtual and distributed world. And so obviously culture was one of the focus areas for us. It's like, how do we continue to scale this? And in all candor, we weren't doing a good job of it. I think from a hiring perspective, we definitely were bringing in sort of intrinsically motivated, like that builder ethos has permeated and we've managed to find that persona, but the actual bones and infrastructure of the culture, it was confusing as heck. We had this pyramid that had like, I don't know, nine, 13, some number of values. And they worked when you heard the story of how they all connected, but honestly could not have named all the values for you or nailed the story of like the interplay of all of them. It was just too confusing as a system. And so we actually did a lot of work in 21 to evolve our value set upon which the culture is built. The team was incredible. They developed what is, in my opinion, in my humble opinion, one of the most elegant values representations I've seen. And so I think it starts there. Like you have to have that foundation built from which you can scale and make sure that you have shared language and understanding and expectations. And it it sort of all starts in that value system. So we did a lot of work on that. But you've piqued my curiosity. So it's one of the most elegant values systems that you've seen. So what is it? You have a handful of values and it's in a, you mentioned the pyramid. I assume the pyramid's gone. Is it now a wheel? Like, how do you, (laughs) what did you come up with? Yes. Well, you're welcome to hit our website if you'd like to see it visually. But yes, we did retire the pyramid. (laughs) Um, We thanked it for its service and we set it free. (laughs) And so we now have a system. There are four values. So it's a great number that you can remember. We're builders, we're owners, we're curious, and we're positrons. And it's four concentric circles. And the elegance of the system is not that it acknowledges and recognizes that the ideal Twillion lives right in the center where all four circles come together and you're you're living and you're demonstrating and you're reflecting each of these values in perfect harmony. But the reality is our system recognizes that in any one day, period, quarter, you might be a little light in one of those or some of those. And so it actually becomes a framework for coaching that when you think about giving feedback or performance conversations and you're talking about how you showed up relative to the values, instead of it being this sort of admonishment that's like, oh, you know, you're not living the values. It's like, hey, look, like I'm seeing you really spike in these areas, but like this one section seems to be missing or light for you. Like what's going on? You know, let's talk about that. And so it's cool how you can use them. And what I really liked is the very realistic recognition that in our everyday, we're not always our best selves. And so it can give you a way to sort of identify like areas for opportunity and recognition that like we're all human. Did I hear you say Positron was one of them? You did. You've got to tell me about that because I've not heard that as a value anywhere before. Yes, it's very unique. (laughs) And it's funny because it's the one that we were, the way we worked the value system is our founder, Jeff Lawson. We were like, you hold the pen. This is a founder-led company and really the DNA of our culture is yours. And so we need to make sure that wherever we land, you are a thousand percent the owner of these and really are going to be the champion of them. So you hold the pen on these. So We had like the behaviors that ladder up to the value, but the nomenclature just, it just wasn't sticking. I remember the meeting we showed up and we were hammering out this last one and we had, we brainstormed all the ideas and we're like, it could be this, it could be that, it could be the other thing. 
And Jeff was like, I've got it. And you could literally see just like the flicker in his eyes. And he was like, positron. And I'm going to mess this up so you can fact check me after. But it's like the positively charged portion of like an electron or something is a positron. And, and in his sort of engineering mind, he's like, that's what this is. And it is the nomenclature that is so uniquely his. It does not mean that you are like fake happy all the time. That is not the implication of this one. It's like, we're really genuine. We lean in, we help, we believe that people are good and that we're here to do good work. And if I were to like boil it down, it's this spirit of how can I help? And it's wild because it existed in our culture, but now that we've put a name on it, the number of times now in meetings when you're like working through just a really funky business problem, or you're just like hitting a wall on something, you hear people regularly now saying, how can I help? What do you need in this moment? And that is like, if I were to like crystallize it, that's sort of the ethos of this positron. I'm here for you. Like, how can I help? It's very cool. cool. That is very cool. And Christy, I just want to add for our listeners, I just want to highlight a couple of things. First of all, I always say that I can always hear a sign of great, unique culture because usually these organizations have a unique word for their colleagues. And you revealed Twillion at about the 10 minute mark (laughs) of our interview, which is very cool. And I also want to emphasize just how important the keep it simple principle is. I literally just got off another phone call before we started this interview And someone was sharing the model that they have the five business drivers, something like four or five principles, and then the 20 competencies. Values wasn't even on this list. And so I'm just thinking like, my God, can you imagine being a manager in this organization? If you cannot remember the 20 plus four plus five things, if you can't remember it, how likely is it you're going to apply it, do it, live it, be it, right? And so- the simple, there's genius in that simplicity. And then again, like the values that are horrible are the ones that everybody has or should have like integrity and it becomes the number one value on your poster (laughs) and that's the end of it. So all of a sudden things like Positron, people will do what I just did, day one employee or I'm a candidate, you know, um, being interviewed. What the heck is this Positron? Let me look into that. Let me get curious. And so it's just so unique and that makes it sticky, right? That makes it sticky and therefore livable. So, so much great stuff there. But let me shift gears, Christy, because probably the thing I'm most passionate about is leadership development as an enabler of engagement and culture. LeadX research, Gallup research, others suggest that about 70% of the variance in engagement comes from who our boss is. They're the filter of everything. So no disrespect to Jeff, but everybody can have the great CEO, great vision, mission, values, and all that. But if I'm reporting to a bad manager or a manager that's negative, the opposite of a positron, I'm not going to be too happy in my role. So you've gone through so much growth in just a few years during a tumultuous time and now remote first environment. How are you training, developing, supporting, say, your frontline managers who are touching 80% of the team? Yeah, great question. And it's definitely a challenge. So when I joined in 20, we had flagged budget at the beginning of the year to really in earnest do people manager development. And I completely agree with you that managers are the multipliers. Like they're making or breaking the experience. 
they're carrying the vast majority of the workload and they're either, you know, moving it in the right direction or alternatively. And so it really is the cohort that we wanted to focus on. So if I'm going to be real with you, before we even get to sort of the higher value like development, we had some building blocks that I'm sure folks that are listening to this, that are reading this may have similar challenges that like my first couple of weeks joining, you know, even even as like a C-level leader, like you're getting all the automated things. I must have gotten 20 some odd emails that were like, IT needs you to do this and compliance wants you to do that. And oh, by the way, like you've got to take this training. And I was like, oh, good God, like how do I keep up with it all? So we actually started thinking of them as a cohort. There's a weekly email that goes out that's like, here's what you need to know. Here's what you need to pass down to your team. Here's what you need to do this week. And so just like really creating more experience and thinking about the workload of managers and all the like, I hate to say it, but like tasking that we put on people managers and how can we streamline and simplify that and like hit the easy button on the things that should be easy and like get rid of the junk that doesn't need to be there. Beyond that, we did invest in people leaders. Gone were the days because it was 20 where we could do the like, oh, we're going to bring, you know, 400 people per region together to do a big thing because everybody was working from home. So we actually made a big bet and we invested in a partnership with BetterUp. And so all of our people managers got dedicated coaches so that they on their own journey could be up leveling their leadership and navigating, you know, challenges that they had with leading their team, you know, difficult conversations, performance, coaching, et cetera. In addition to that, we started some core manager training. And so like manager foundations, if you're earlier, you know, in your manager journey, we have a partnership with LinkedIn Learning. And so we're providing a lot of content through that. And so over the course of two years, we saw a 20 point jump in our people manager effectiveness score through the surveys that we do. So like their direct team members assessing their leader and saying like, is your leader effective? And so we saw a 20 point jump in that, which was pretty incredible. I love it that you're doing manager effectiveness surveys. A lot of companies will do higher level engagement and corporate things, but not so much the manager behaviors. Tell me about how you're getting feedback on the managers and just the culture overall. When it comes to the manager effectiveness surveys, I'm curious, are those annual? Are you doing them as pulse surveys? Tell me more. Yes. So yes and yes. We're actually migrating this year to a different kind of cadence. So we were doing twice a year surveys that would be both full company engagement and inclusion and all of the classic indices, as well as a manager index, a manager effectiveness index. And now we're moving to a once a year big shebang on the company level stuff and quarterly pulses for managers because Our belief is that the unit of team is where the magic happens. And so as much information as we can give the team leader, as well as like the folks on those teams, the ability to just monitor the org health of their team, the better off we'll be. So that's how we're keeping a pulse on things. Yeah. And again, for the listeners, I often find I love a quarterly cadence and usually get a tremendous amount of pushback on that. You know, we're over going to over survey our people or they're not going to respond. But I often say that organizations have to report financials quarterly, but that's kind of like rear view mirror. So how did we perform in the previous quarter? People, culture, our organization drives those results. And by doing pulse surveys, you kind of get, now you're looking out the windshield, like what's to come? Because if you've got low 
or even one manager that's not getting their scores right, people, once they decide they're looking for a job, they're going to have a new job within 12 weeks. So if you're only surveying twice a year or once a year, you're going to lose a lot of people before correcting or supporting that manager. So just to sync up this idea that the people part is what drives the performance and knowing that you want to support struggling leaders more frequently, I think that quarterly cadence is great. It'll be interesting to see how that works out for you for next year. Yeah, likewise. And I mean, the reality is like, there's so many dynamics that change, you know, one new team member equals new team dynamic. And so if you're waiting a long time to figure out how are people doing, it's just a slice in time, you know, three weeks from now, there could be a totally different vibe. I like the idea of having more regular cadence. It is new for us this year. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Well, you've already talked about a lot of really cool programs and the unique values, but is there any particular initiative that has gotten really good results or just you're most proud of and want to talk more about? You know, I think the thing that's uniquely Twilio, that's pretty cool because it had gone dormant for, you know, for a little bit there and we we brought it back. We have what's called a track jacket program. And so it goes back to our roots as being the sort of core Twilio product was a developer facing product. And so the notion is that we're all developers. And so in order to earn your Twilio track jacket, which is this red track jacket that's got sort of the company colors and logo and everything, you actually have to code an app on our communications platform. And so every single person at every level, like we've run the board of directors through this, in order to earn your jacket, you have to be hands-on keyboard, using Twilio products and building an actual app. And so it's really cool because it's both sort of a tradition, a ritual, if you will, but you also get this symbol, which is like the jacket and people wear it proudly, you know, like I've earned this and it's just a really cool way to remind us, you know, who we are and how the company started. I love that. It reminds me of how, you know, some organizations, no matter what level you're being hired in for, it's like the first day is you answer customer support calls or something. It's kind of a hazing ritual with a purpose. Listen, I worked for Home Depot for five years and I spent a week in the paint department when I started, (laughs) you know, in my local store, mixing, you know, colors and color matching. And it was it was very fun. (laughs) I bet that offers some special benefits to your friends. They're like, hey, what about this or this? And you've got some insight into that. So do you have your jacket? Do you earn it yet? I do. I earned it my like, I don't know, my first quarter here. What kind of app did you create? Yeah, that's right. What kind of app did you create? I built an app. So at the time, it was early days into the pandemic. And we were one of the companies that said, look, meetings are out of control. People have Zoom fatigue. We need to do something different. And we moved to Focus Fridays where Fridays you were intended to have time to do your focus work, one-on-ones or things of that nature, but not scheduled meetings. And so I created an app to solicit feedback on how these Focus Fridays were going for folks. So I put it on the company-wide Slack channel with a phone number that was like, text your feedback here, and then literally got all the texts to my phone so I could gather people's feedback. So it was kind of a novelty, but it was timely. And I no, got feedback, so it was great. <laughs> yeah, no, that's super cool. You actually made use of it. I love that. So 
This is, unfortunately, a short format podcast. We only have a few minutes left, but I do okay. want to hit you with a few more quick ones. Let's do it. So imagine you could wave a magic wand and send any book or podcast or something like that to, to every Twillion, and they were guaranteed to read it, to watch it, or whatever it is, or listen to it. So what would you send everyone? Oh, I mean, this is probably going to be like dated, but I am such a big believer in growth mindset. I think it's a book that has not gotten old as new theories and practices have come around. I just think there's so much power in really harnessing the lifelong learner mindset as a parent. I use it with my kids regularly. So I just think there's so much power in that. So that's a book I would definitely rep for folks. That's great. Yeah, that's a powerful one. And what's something that you know now that maybe you wish you knew back when you first became a chief people officer? What would be some advice you'd send to a younger version of yourself? Gosh, so, I mean, I guess I would say two things. One, I've never gone into any job that did not come with its own version of tech debt. And that could be literal, like people systems that haven't scaled with the company but I just think of it as organizational debt of all kinds. And so I would say two things. One, just know that you're going to have a backlog of requests from the business of like, they want everything. They want it at full maturity. They want it at full scale, automated, streamlined, systematized. And so prioritization, ruthless, rigorous prioritization is such an important skill that unfortunately I think becomes like a little battle tested and earned. But like, my gosh, if I could go back several years and just be like, you don't have to do it all. We all come into this organizational debt. You just have to ruthlessly prioritize. And then my sneaky number two, which is actually two things. So let's call it three. <laughs> and I'm not pandering to the audience here. I think investing in people management capability like day two of the company, if you could rewind the tapes and start with a leadership philosophy and developing people would be fantastic and building your DEI strategy and operationalizing mm. it. Again, get your funding and then start these programs day two. If you could rewind the tapes, that's what I would do. So you talk about ruthless prioritization. So what might be your priorities for the year ahead for you and your team? We actually just met about this last week, kind of getting started on what 24 looks like for us. And I mean, there are probably like three or four big ticket items, but the headline is many companies are calling people back to the offices and making people relocate and show up X days of week or whatever. Twilio has committed to being a remote first company. And so we really want to make remote work for people. And so investments in remote, and in particular, if I were to fine tune it, I would say like connection. Supporting connection, like intentional connection strategies for folks, because the tools, the systems, the meetings, like all that works. But it's like, how do you continue to foster these like interpersonal connections that make teams go? And then the second would be really exploring ways that we can bring AI into the people space responsibly. And so I think there's some exciting stuff that's on the horizon there. Some of it's still hype, but we want to see what we can do with that. That's great. So final question, just about Twilio, like what are you most excited about for the organization right now? I mean, I'm excited that it feels like there's some really cool new innovation ahead with customer AI. And we're never happier than when we're building and when we're like thinking of new things that we can do to help our customers engage with their customers. And I'm also really excited about this connection strategy and about can we be the one 
we did this headline exercise and multiple groups came up with some version of the same headline, which was, is Twilio the company that's going to crack the code on remote work? And will other companies follow and not Mm. follow the trend of productivity rules the day? Like everybody's got to turn up to the office so we can see you. So I'm excited at the opportunity for the people team to do some innovation as well. I'm excited to hear about how all of that plays out as well. Krista, you had a million things you could be doing other than giving me your time today, but I'm so grateful for it. Thanks again for all that your company is doing and thanks for spending time sharing some of your wisdom. Pleasure and thanks for being a customer. (laughs) Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the Culture Code Podcast. Are you looking to build, refine, or revamp a training program? We team up with companies like Northwestern Mutual, Cineos Health, and Duck Creek Technologies to roll out highly engaging training series for emerging leaders, new managers, women in leadership, high potential managers, sales enablement, and more. Check it out at leadx.org. What makes these series so uniquely engaging? We help you build a full system of development that leverages our cutting-edge platform and world-class training. We blend together world-class cohort-based virtual training and group coaching, personalized nudges, micro-learning, and on-demand office-hour-style coaching. Go check it out at leadx.org.